The text for our sermon this morning is from the gospel reading just read and being reminded of the conversation with Jesus and Nicodemus. Jesus said in verse 7, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? God's grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Please be seated. I have to admit that I often find myself wondering how anybody got through life without being able to Google anything. Back in the good old days. From home projects to car repairs to cooking meals. How many teaspoons are in a tablespoon? How do I replace an outlet in my house? What is the ignition timing for a small block Ford? Many times a problem is fixable if, if I just know how to fix it. Nicodemus, well today he's thinking that same way. How do I get into the kingdom of God? But before Nicodemus is even able to ask his question, he first approaches Jesus with a compliment. He wants to butter up his teacher. No one loves a suck-up, but Nicodemus, nonetheless, that's the way he goes. We know that you are a teacher, he says, come from God. No one can do these things you do unless God is with him. Nicodemus thinks that Jesus has some secret knowledge. Nicodemus thinks that Jesus' miracles are because he has some secret instructions that only God can give. That salvation is a secret. But Jesus, not putting up with Nicodemus' compliments, immediately begins to guide Nicodemus, but not in the way Nicodemus thinks or hopes. Nicodemus wants a teacher, good teacher, he says. Nicodemus wants a how-to, a YouTube video, a YouTube video on how to get into the kingdom of God. But Jesus is not flattered. Nicodemus is somewhat smug. He comes to Jesus thinking that if he's just told where the kingdom of God is, he can find it. Jesus answers Nicodemus rather bluntly. Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, or the Greek says born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus sort of slaps Nicodemus down. He says, you want to know how to get in? Ha! You can't even see it from where you're at. Nicodemus thinks if he just finds a podcast, if he's given advice, he can get to eternal life. You can hear Nicodemus in his next couple of answers that this is the case. Nicodemus, much like myself when it comes to home repairs, thinks, if I just have the information, I can do it. It's the essence of pride. So when Jesus tells Nicodemus he needs to have another birth, a birth from above, there's a problem. Nicodemus maybe even thinks Jesus is being ridiculous. That Nicodemus isn't, that Jesus is assuming Nicodemus isn't smart enough, that he can't figure it out. Nicodemus 
answers back with a ridiculous question. How can a man be born from above when he's old? How can he be born again if he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? You can almost hear the scorn in Nicodemus's voice. That's ridiculous. <laughs> what you're suggesting makes no sense. I remember one car repair my dad and I were doing in the good old days, back when all you had before Google was a manual with handwritten instructions and typewriter type scattered throughout on how to fix an old car. We were trying to fix a heater, and the third step in the process said, disassemble the entire dash. That was a monumental project. Dad just looked at me and said, put a blanket in the car, you'll be fine. We put it back together, and so it went. Nicodemus is getting to that disassemble the entire dash step. Nicodemus is beginning to understand that salvation is not a how-to, but a confessing of a mystery. Salvation is not a secret, but it is a mystery. Seeing the kingdom of God even more, entering the kingdom of God is not a task, but it is a work done only by God himself. But first, Nicodemus has to wrestle with this fact. Nicodemus has to fight with. He has to search. But it's not a search to find a secret. It is a search to lead him to repentance. Salvation is not a puzzle. Forgiveness of sins is not a video. It's not an instruction manual. As a man, I can affirm, no one reads instruction manuals anyway. Thank God he doesn't leave us an instruction manual. Eternal life does not weigh on how much you do, nor how much you know. And yet, so often we pride ourselves in those very things. We pride ourselves even in how much control we think we have even of our own lives. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, Jesus said, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. When it comes to your salvation, God does all the work. Spirit gives birth to spirit. Salvation is not a secret, but a mystery. Nicodemus wants to know a secret. How do I enter the kingdom of God? He thinks Jesus is exactly the one to show him. Jesus, though, isn't going to entertain Nicodemus' pride, and he's not going to entertain your pride either. Not only is our reading today about being brought into the kingdom of God, but also continually living in that kingdom. There is nothing about you that qualifies you more than any other person to be in the kingdom of God. It's very much like asking what you did to be born in the United States at this time in history. How blessed we are to be born at a time when life expectancy is high, disease is low. We all have roofs over our heads and more than one change of clothing. We don't have to worry about where our next meal is coming from. 
What did we do to deserve this? We don't have marauding bands waiting around the corner to kill us just because they don't like us. What did we do to deserve this? Nothing. All by the grace of God. Jesus says being a Christian is similar to being born from your mother in a sense. How much work did you do to be born? Did you pick the time, the location? Did you choose your mother? You did pretty much nothing. In addition, when babies are born, they're fighting the process almost the entire time. And we do that by sin. Nicodemus is still fighting. And we do that as well. One way that we struggle against the kingdom of God is with our pride, as Nicodemus did. It's we forget what Jesus says is so important today. Born of the water and the Spirit. This, of course, is baptism. Nicodemus thinks he must do something, and Jesus says, The Spirit is what gives you new birth and new life. It is, a, it is baptism. That is our assurance. That is the promise upon which our faith is built. Because baptism gives you Jesus. It is a mystery, but not a secret. God works by his word and spirit. That is how he tears you down. But yet this is also how he builds you back up. It doesn't make sense. And Nicodemus, he wants it to make sense so bad Jesus, just tell me. And friends, this is what is so beautiful and freeing about the Christian faith. Salvation is not about knowing, but it is about confessing who God is. Jesus says in baptism, you are born from the Spirit, that you have a promise, a promise of God's Forgiveness and guidance and even eternal life. He doesn't say how it works so that you can replicate it. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God who is father of us all. He births you into his kingdom and he has no place for your pride. So leave it. The Christian faith is not about knowing but about confessing what God says by his word. Jesus said his word is spirit, and that's why we say baptism is a washing in the word of God, a washing of the spirit. Peter says in 1 Peter 3, baptism now saves you, not a washing away of dirt, but an answer for a clean conscience before God. Not because you've done anything, just like a newborn baby has done nothing to be born, Jesus wants Nicodemus and you to forsake your ability, to forsake your knowledge, to forsake your iPhone, your Android, Google, to forsake your strength and might, to forsake who you think you might be, 
to forsake thinking that you are identified by your shortcomings or even your sins. Jesus wants Nicodemus and you to live by faith. That in Jesus, you are forgiven. All of your pride, all of the control you think you have, all of the things that have led you away from trusting in God to trusting in yourself. Jesus says, in the waters of baptism, I gave you a promise of forgiveness, and that promise never goes away. This is why then Jesus moves Nicodemus to a story that Nicodemus would have been very familiar with. The bronze serpent from the book of Exodus in the Old Testament. Jesus wants to guide Nicodemus and us. Because you see in in Exodus, the people of God were, were wandering through the wilderness and they became impatient. They loathed the life that God had given them with the manna and the food and the water that he had given them. They didn't think they had enough. They loathed God. They became impatient. They wanted to know, how do we get to where we're going? We should have just stayed in Egypt. They thought they knew better than God. And so God sent them venomous snakes, and they bit the people. And they were dying. It wasn't until they were faced with certain death that they called out to Moses to call out to God to save them. There was no anti-venom around. There was no Google, how do I treat a snake bite? People were dying. So God sent his word to Moses and Moses made a bronze serpent and he put it on a staff and God said, whoever looks to the serpent will live. They had to trust God's promise to provide. And so then they looked. The people couldn't save themselves, but by God's word attached to a physical element, that staff that had the bronze serpent on it, they were given new life. They were given assurance that yes, they had sinned, but God forgives them. Even death was cured. They were taught about God's mercy. This is why we hear this reading during Lent, because Lent is a time for us to remember there's nothing in us that deserves new life. There is nothing of us, who we are as people, whether you're man, woman, child, whether you're a CEO or a janitor, there is nothing in us that moves God to have mercy on us, but that it is because of his undeserved love and mercy that goes beyond anything we can measure. And that we must daily repent of our pride. And we must believe that God is merciful. We must look to his bronze serpent. But he doesn't send a snake, but a savior. He doesn't send an instruction video, but a gift of forgiveness already accomplished his only son to die. His only son to do everything necessary. There is a how-to for entering the kingdom of God. It's, It's very simple, actually. There is, if you would allow me, a YouTube video on how to get yourself into heaven. Be perfect. 
It's that simple. You want to go to heaven on your own merits? Well, don't sin. It's that simple. Lent is a time to repent of our demanding to know answers. God, why? A time to repent of our pride because that's what that question ultimately is. A time to repent of our belittling of baptism. A physical sign with the word of God attached to it with a promise that doesn't just last your lifetime but lasts unto eternity. Lent is a time to look at the cross when life is hard, when life is easy, when life is even just, oh, day to day. Lent is a time to remember that you are saved by the grace and mercy of God, that he saved you from your venomous sins, from when you have sunk your fangs into others and have hurt them. Sins that have killed you and excluded you from God's kingdom. Lent is a time to remember that God sent his son to take the venom of your sins and all the venom that others have poisoned you with. Even your death, that his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him not knows how to, Whoever believes in him, confesses and rejoices, shall have eternal life. He's birthed you by the water and the spirit so that you can be sure that you have a father who's taken care of everything for you. So when life seems full of questions, when the devil's venom seems to have its way with you, when that that boa constrictor of worry and doubt begins to tighten around you when you just wish you knew how to deal with things. Take heart. God has not called you to know everything, but to confess that he does. When thoughts and doubts are everywhere, when even Our Father who art in Google can't satisfy your longing heart for certainty. Remember who your Savior is. That he's taken all your sin unto himself. He's died with it so it can't bite you. All your worry and all the unknown is dead in the grave. You are forgiven. He will guide you. He will guide you beside springs of living water that flow even unto eternal life. And he even puts to death your doubts, not by giving you a poison, but he's given us an anti-venom in the body and blood of his son. Again, like the bronze serpent, Jesus is the serpent who's lifted up on the staff, the staff of the cross. That's what the Lord's Supper is, the proclamation of Jesus' death until he comes again. A mystery, not a secret. For the love of God knows no bounds, no limits, and so there's no reason for you to doubt. There's no room for you to doubt. Even before he formed you in your mother's womb, he knew you. Because your salvation doesn't depend on your wisdom 
doesn't depend on all the good that you do, but about the new birth already promised and given to you in your baptism and daily renewed by his Holy Spirit. So may the peace that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.